0: and laughs theater of the mind the best love programs from radio's golden age only on zoomer radio now here is your master storyteller frank proctor
1: well thank you and welcome to the show wow can you believe it the first of september where the heck did the summer go Well, maybe you're on your way home tonight from the CNE, munching on a few of those deep-fried red velvet Oreos or whatever they're cooking up there. I hope you brought enough uh, napkins along. Well, whatever the case, whether you're in the car or in your favorite chair at home, we invite you to enjoy another visit with the laziest, most extravagant, overweight detective in the world, who we'll find out tonight is also very broke. Yes, Nero Wolfe, played by Sidney Greenstreet, is up first on our bill. He was a British actor who did not work in films until the age of 62, but enjoyed a run of notable hits in a Hollywood career lasting just eight years. He's best remembered for his Warner Brothers Brothers films, like The Maltese Falcon*, that he shared time with Humphrey Bogart and Peter Lorre, Casablanca, and Passage to Marseille. He became a naturalized United States citizen in 1925, and portrayed Nero Wolf on radio from 1950 to 51. Greenstreet was born in England. He left home at the age of 18 to make his fortune as a Ceylon tea planter. But drought forced him out of the business. So he began managing a brewery, and to escape boredom, took acting lessons. Well, long story short, he appeared in numerous plays in Britain and America, working through most of the 30s with Alfred Lunt and Lynn Fontaine at the Theatre Guild. Throughout his stage career, his parts ranged from musical comedy to Shakespeare, and years of such versatile acting on two continents led to many offers to appear in films, which he refused until he was 62. And after only eight years, his film career ended with Malaya, in which he was billed third after Spencer Tracy and James Stewart. In those eight years, he worked with stars ranging from Clark Gable to Ava Gardner and Joan Crawford. Author Tennessee Williams wrote his one-act play, The Last of My Solid Gold Watches, with Green Street in mind, and dedicated it to him. So tonight, we're going to go back to the new adventures of Nero Wolfe, based loosely on the rotund detective genius created by Rex Stout. And here's the episode entitled, Stamped for Murder. My boss is the
2: smartest and the stubbornest, the fattest and the laziest, the cleverest and the craziest, the most extravagant detective in the
3: world, Nero Wolf.
0: It's the adventure of Stamped for Murder with that brilliant, eccentric private detective, orchid fancier, and gargantuan gourmet,
4: Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet.
3: Instructions for this morning, Archie. Your notebook, please. First, Mr. Silenceback. Inform him that the Long Island peafowl he sent were most unsatisfactory. Peafowl's breast flesh is not sweet and tender unless it is well protected from all alarms, especially from the air, to prevent nervousness. Long Island is full of airplanes. Look, Mr. Wolf. I, I shall uh... want a dozen chickens that have been raised on blueberries. And a fresh killed lamb for tomorrow. Uh, Mr. Wolf, please listen. There's. Uh... Mr. Goodwin, be quiet. And then dinner on the following day becomes a problem. Mr. Wolf, dinner any day is going to be a problem if we don't pay Sausenbach's
2: bill. Then pay it. With what? The bank account's empty.
3: Ridiculous. There
2: were $4,000 yesterday. But you bought that shipment of orchid bulbs from Wine Old Gluckner. Mr. Wolf, we need money. You've got to stop eating and drinking beer long enough to earn some. Phew, you're an alarmist. Will you, for the love of heaven, stop turning down clients and turn an honest dollar? I've got a couple of prospects right outside the door. Send them away. No, sir. Send them away. Tell them I've gone to Egypt. Nothing doing, sir. Confound you, Archie. Obey orders. Send them away. Miss Kent, Mr. Rodman, come in, please. Nice. Thank you. Confound you, Archie, you're mutinous. Yes, sir, and you're stuck with it. This is Miss Gloria Kent and Mr. Rodman. They arrived you? as advertised with a pressing problem.
3: Good morning. You people are here by sufferance only. I shall speak to Mr. Goodwin about it later. Yes, indeed. I don't like pressing problems, Miss Kent. What are yours? My father. Indeed, I'm on a court of domestic relations, Miss Kent. What did your father do? Beat you? Withhold your earnings? Discourage your suitors? Mr. Goodwin should have informed you this office does not undertake cases involving marital or family problems. But
5: that's
3: not... If Mr. Goodwin had not been beguiled by your pretty face... He might have warned you and avoided this embarrassment to you and annoyance to me. Now, 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 now. Take it easy.
2: Take it easy. How many times have I told you you don't know how to handle women? Then suppose you let Miss Kent handle
5: me. Well, it's simply this, Mr. Wolf. I had some money my mother left me. My father's just spent it without my permission. I want it back without a scandal.
3: thanks Miss Kent. How much? How spent?
5: Ten thousand dollars father bought a treasure map.
3: Indeed, from whom?
5: A pair of swindlers named Cross and Halleck. They've driven him crazy, talking about fortune salvaged from the SS this and the SS that. He's got a map and old letters he studies. He's childish.
3: Many fortunes have been recovered, many more await on the sea bottom. How do you know your father has been duped? Well, I know. You do, Mr. Rodman. Yes, Cross and Halleck bought
5: some old letters for me, written by my grandfather from Hawaii. They used them to manufacture the map and evidence. And that's what they sold to Kent. Father thought he was being so clever. He had the paper analyzed. Of course, the document research laboratory said the letters were genuine. They were. But something new had been added. I'd have never known if Mr. Rodman hadn't told me.
3: You're a party to the swindle, Mr. Rodman? I was not. I never knew what they were up to. Mr. Wolf, you've got to help me. I can't do anything with
5: Father. I can't convince him... Even Mr. Rodman can't...
3: No, Miss Kent, I'm sorry. This is not for me. But you must. You must. Not in my office, madam. No tears. Please, please, Archie, stop her. Okay, okay, okay. Archie, when Miss Kent has finished her disgrace for the exhibition, show them out. (laughs) How dare you walk out on us,
2: Easy, easy, easy. I know him. I know him. You don't. He gets into a panic when women cry, or else he's curious about what Fritz is cooking for lunch. Now, just, uh, wait a minute, please. Oh, aren't you ashamed of yourself walking out like that on that poor kid?
3: That hysterical, Gamma. (laughs) She's lost all of her money. She needs help. I charge high fees, Archie. So charge a small fee. Do you want her to starve? Good heavens.
2: Starve? How monstrous. I'm not kidding. While you'll be in here smelling your dinner, she and her father
3: will be starving. I thought you were bringing me a paying client. Well, this is different. She's, uh. Oh, beautiful. She's... Archie, you're impossible. Oh, very well. Go back into them. Get names, addresses, facts. I am not committed to Miss Kent's case, but we'll see. Be a tribute, I pay, for your witness for a pretty face.
2: Rodman and Gloria Kent were gone, however. So all I had were the few facts they'd given me before they met Wolf. I felt guilty about that when he came back into the office and sat down in his specially built chair. He closed his eyes, and I glared at him. Well, how much of you is awake? Mr. Wolf? Uh. Well, they disappeared. Did you tell me you were going to help this girl just to get her out of the office, or did you mean it? You're a gadfly. No, sir. No, sir. You made a promise, and you're stuck with it. What did you get from Rodman? Name, address, occupation. He's a librarian, that's all.
3: Very careless, Archie. You missed a significant point. Such as... uh... How did Rodman discover the letters he sold were being altered by forgery? And used for swindle. How did he locate the Duke, Mr. Kent? Uh,
2: I guess you're right. I'll ask him next time. But uh, what about now? Are you going to get Gloria's money back? I assume you call Miss Kent Gloria
3: solely in order to annoy me. It does. Stop it. Get cross on Halleck. On my way. You'll find them at the Hotel Bogard. <laughs> Wrong, sir. According to my notes, their address is... Never mind their address. The Hotel Bogard is the headquarters for successful, confidence tricksters. They celebrate their victories there while the money lasts. You will possibly find Cross and Halleck drinking whiskey or lunching probably booth.
2: I located Cross and Halleck in the hotel bar and lured them back to our place on 35th Street. Wolf was sitting behind his desk with his hands crossed on his impressive middle, at peace with his lunch and the world when I ushered them in. He sat bolt upright and scorched me with a look. Good afternoon, Mr. Wolf. The tall one's name is Cross, the short one is Halleck. They uh, want to help me <laughs> invest my money. Gentlemen, Mr. Nero Wolf. Huh? You're a wolf.
6: Hey, what is this?
2: I found uh, you Archie. G- how drunk are they? Not too drunk for business.
7: Let's get out of here. Come on. Wait uh, a minute. Up you want me to
3: keep him here, Mr. Wolf? Not by violence, Archie. Come back here, gentlemen. Unless you want seven years in the state penitentiary. Unless well, what?
7: You got nothing on us, Wolf. Nothing.
3: I have the Kent case.
7: The Kent? Uh, that's a laugh. We're sitting pretty. Sitting pretty.
3: You are not, sir. You imagine you possess legal immunity. Mr. Kent believes you are a grotesque balderdash and will not sue for fraud. Miss Kent cannot sue because she is reluctant to accuse her father of wrongfully obtaining her money. Ergo, you think you are invulnerable. Now listen. But you forget me. I'm a detective with a fee to earn. A big fee? Quiet, Archie. I am determined to get that fee. Therefore, as Miss Kent's agent, I can and will bring action against you. I'm indifferent to her tears or her father's disgrace. I'm indifferent to anything outside of money. You will return the $10,000 to me at once, sir, or you will be in jail by morning.
7: You mean that? I do, Mr. Cross. Alec, come here. Come on, hurry. Uh, okay. Here, Mr. Wolf. Halleck and I have decided we don't want to get in any trouble with you. Here's your ten grand. Uh, let's have it. Give the dough to Kent, Mr. Wolf, and get the letters and map back for us. You've got a reputation for being tricky, but honest. We trust you. Come on, Halleck, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how about that? Preposterous. No, sir. Take a look.
3: Ten thousand dollars, genuine coin of the realm. That man crosses a fool. Does he imagine I'm to be fooled so easily? What do you mean he left the money? He surrendered too quickly, Archie. Too easily. And that money in the envelope he was carrying all ready to refund. Why? Well, maybe he's got a better sucker. I heard him mention a Ben Sanford. Nonsense. Does he need Kent's forged letters and map to cheat this Ben Sanford? Couldn't he prepare another set?
2: Uh, I guess you're right. Something's fishy.
3: In any event, it's no concern of mine, thank heaven. And why not? I'm not committed to Miss Kent in any way. As a favor to you, I undertook to regain her money. I have done that. You may take it back to her and obtain the forged papers in return. But, uh... Silence, Mr. Goodwin, go to your redhead charmer. Leave me in peace. I intend to spend this afternoon with my new world atlas.
8: (laughs)
2: I left him 3,000 miles up the Amazon with his magnifying glass and drove up to East 69th Street. The Kent house was a broken-down little brownstone, and as I went up the stoop, the door opened and Gloria Kent burst out like a skyrocket. Hey, Miss Kent, easy, easy. Let go me. go What's wrong? What's wrong? Wrong. Wrong. Nothing is wrong. Nothing at all. Well, how about seeing your father? You
5: want to see my father? Come inside.
2: Oh, for the love of heaven, Come
5: what? inside, Mr. Goodwin. I'll introduce you. He's in a back room. Come right through the living room.
2: What else came through this living room? A hurricane?
5: No, Mr. Goodwin. Something else. There's my father, Mr. Goodwin. What in the... Devil? He's dead. His throat's cut. Father. This is Archie Goodwin from Nero Wolf's office. He and his boss refused to help while they could. Maybe he can help you now. Stop it. All I'm good for now is revenge. That's all. Stop boss. it. Stop he... it and look at me. When did it happen? I don't know.
2: When did you find him?
5: Just now.
2: Keep looking at me. Who went through this house like a hurricane? You? No. Where did you go after you left the office?
5: To the laboratory. What lab? Document research. The place that checked the map. How long were you there? Until an hour ago. I was with Mr. Rodman. Keep looking at
2: me. And then I had lunch. With Rodman?
5: Alone. And then I came home.
2: All right. All right, now listen to me. I want you to go to Mr. Wolf's uh, house right now. Uh, Have you got cab there? Yes. All right, take a cab. I've got to stay here, but I'll call Mr. Wolf and tell him you're on the way. Now get. I called Wolf, told him everything, and he instructed me to advise Inspector Kramer who arrived with the homicide squad. I gave the inspector everything while the squad photographed and measured, print dusted and detected. At 3.30, Kramer took me back
7: to the house on 35th Street for a fight with Wolf. It's a great story, Wolf, great. Kent buys a phony treasure map. Everybody knows it's phony except Kent. But Cross and Halleck try to buy it back, and Kent gets himself murdered. Did you
3: find the map and letters in the house, Inspector?
7: No, no, I didn't.
3: Till it was after the map. A phony map? Certainly. Why? Well, if we knew that, we would know why Cross and Halleck so willingly paid back the money and why Kent was murdered. Maybe it's not phony.
7: I'd better see the girl now.
3: Oh, you fancy her for the murder?
7: Well, I'll know after I ask
3: a few questions. Tonight. She's had a shock, Mr. Kramer. She needs rest. Look, Wolf, I want her. Why bother with her when there's so much to be done? Yes, such as? Cross and Halleck, find them. And the mystery man they spoke of, Ben Sanford. These are the men you want now, not this poor, overwrought girl.
7: Yeah. All right. The girl will be here for questioning tonight, though, huh? Tonight, Mr. Kramer. Okay. You'll hear from me later on. <laughs>
2: well, you buffaloed him out of that, okay? Say, uh, why don't you want her questioned? Is she guilty? I don't know. Well, what did she say when she got here?
3: She said nothing. She never arrived. She never what? She never arrived. Well, then why did you tell Kramer she was resting? Would he have believed the truth? (laughs) She must be found. More important, we must learn why forge letters and forge map produces turmoil. Find the killer and you find the map. You said so. I said the reverse, which is an altogether different statement. Archie, I want a photograph of that map. Get it. Oh, sure, sure.
2: Any particular camera you want me to use?
3: You'll find a photograph of 200 Vanderbilt Street. Are you kidding? The lab cannot check the authenticity of old papers without photographing them in ultraviolet light, infrared light, and so on. If this document research lab has examined those papers, they will have photographs. Get them!
2: He got out of his chair and waddled back to the house elevator. It was four o'clock and time for his regular afternoon session with the orchids. I drove down to the document research laboratory on Vanderbilt and got such a shock that I grabbed the office phone and dialed Wolf at once.
3: This is Nero Wolf.
2: Mr. Wolf, Archie here.
3: What's the matter? Are you lost?
2: No, sir. No, sir, but I found something. Photographs? No, Mr. Wolf, I don't think you'll ever see any photographs of the Kent map. I don't think any were taken. Indeed. But uh, guess who runs the document research laboratory. No, 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 don't guess. You probably know. A man named Ben Sanford, and he's sitting right here looking at me.
3: Bring him home with you.
2: Home? But it's four in the afternoon. This is the sacred hour when you pray over your orchids. Then Mr. Sanford can join the ceremony.
3: Hey, how about this place? How about it? There must be a million flowers
2: up here. <laughs> no, not flowers, orchids only. Mister Wolf has ten thousand plants. <whistles> never saw anything like it, and you never will again, brother. Hey, uh, what uh, what kind is that on the bench? Oh, that that's our pride and joy, Odontoglossum harianum. Above them, the Van Petterserana, and the pink ones are the celogiani uh, Pandoratas. Now, the large object, mulching flower pots is Nero Wolf. Mr. Wolf?
3: Ben Sanford. Good afternoon, sir. Hi. I came along to be obliging. I've got nothing to say about anything. How much have you offered Cross and Halleck for their treasure map? No comment. Mr. Sanford, I'm going to make some assumptions. I assume that you are not, in fact, a document expert, but an accessory to the fraud of Halleck and Cross. No comment. And you actually prepare fraudulent maps for those swindlers, and then in the guise of an expert, guarantee their authenticity. No comment. Now, this you must answer. You did guarantee the authenticity of the map and letters Kent bought. It's on record. All right, I did. Then will you admit they were forged? What are you, a comic? No. You guarantee the value of the Kent map? Yes. As an expert? Yes. Then you've convicted yourself of murder. Murder? Murder? What is this? Mr. Kent was murdered, sir. Evidently for the map and letters he bought. But of all persons involved, you alone believe in the value of the map. No one else does. Therefore, you alone would have murdered Kent for the map. For the love of... Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute.
2: (laughs) Chew it over, brother. Chew it over. Either way, he's got you.
3: Okay. Okay, you... You want me to level? Here it is.
2: Level, Archie? Okay, boss. Thief-type talk. It means tell the truth.
3: It's like you say, the letters were bought from Rodman. I forged the map and evidence onto them. I guarantee them to Kent, the swindle. The letters are without value? Oh, sure, they're old, that's all, from 1851. Just tired family gossip and stuff. Indeed. There we have the problem again, Archie. Mr. Kent is swindled with a map and letters that are known to be worthless. He alone believes the fantasy of the treasure. There isn't any treasure, never was. Yet Cross and Halleck refunded the swindle money so eagerly. It is obvious they want those worthless documents back badly. Someone else wants them so badly. he murders Mr. Kent. Why? I don't know. Archie, we must find the girl. There's a chance he turned to Mr. Rodman for refuge. I'm sorry you'll have to go there at once. If the girl isn't there, bring Rodman.
2: Yes? Hello, Rodman. Remember me? I'm Archie Goodwin from Nero Wolfe's office. Oh. Oh, yes, of course. I came to get Gloria Kent. There's been a change in plans. Tell her to come out, please. Gloria? Well, she's not here. Why should she be? Haven't you heard? Heard what? Well, I guess you'd better come down and see Wolfe. Uh, Mr. Goodwin, I'm afraid I can't. I'm rather busy. Look, Rodman, maybe you ought to know. Old man Kent was murdered. What? Yes, yes, just after you and Gloria left us. Kent murdered? Well, I, well, this is awful, Mr. Goodwin. You it's... want to see Mr. Wolf now? Get your hat.
8: Murder?
2: Well, believe me, I never wanted this. I, I'm going to tell Nero Wolf the whole mess. Every word of it. Okay, then. Come on, let's go. Yes, of course. Just a minute. I'll get my hat in the bedroom. Murdered?
0: Can't. I never dream? Oh.
2: Come on, Rodman. Come on, Rodman. Come on. What? I didn't hear you. Oh. Rodman. What? Rodman.
7: Oh, Rodman. Good Lord.
2: What next?
7: Come on, come on.
3: This is Nero, Wolf. Archie here.
2: We've had a tough break. Yes? While I was waiting for Rodman at the front door, he went into the bedroom for his hat. The killer was there. How do you know? He cut Rodman's throat. Heaven. The back window was open It's a ground floor apartment He was out and gone before I had a chance Archie, where were your wits? Let me alone I've had a man murdered 20 feet from me You think I'm cheering?
3: Mr. Kramer is here And he has news for us, Archie He could not locate Cross and Halleck in their apartment They had not been home all day The maid informed him that she was waiting for her weekly salary
2: well, So what?
3: She was most angry and peppery Mr. Kramer informs me Red pepper? Exactly.
2: Okay. Okay, maybe I know what you mean. I'll try to deliver the goods this time. Goodbye. I drove down to the apartment house on Gramercy Square where Cross and Halleck lived, took the elevator up to the 10th floor, found the right door, and slipped in with a pass key. Come on out. Come out wherever you are. I know you're in here. You fooled Kramer pretending to be the maid, but you didn't fool Wolf. You'd better... Gloria! Cut it out, cut it out, you idiot lay off. Archie, Archie, you dope Archie Goodwin from Nero Wolf's office. Remember me? Give me the gun, Gloria. Give it to me. That's right. Who, uh, who did you think I was?
8: Alec.
2: Oh, brilliant. So Wolf figured you out, huh? Oh, you are a brave girl. They killed your father. You came up here and waited for them. You were going to kill them right back, huh? Oh, that red-headed temper. And you bluffed Kramer into thinking you were the maid.
5: I had to do something. It was the only thing I could think of. To come here and kill him.
2: Well, you're coming home with Archie. And just remember one thing. When Wolf's working for you, don't try to do any thinking. It only gets in Wolf's way. I got Gloria Kent back to the house at seven o'clock. I parked the car, brought her into the office, and got the shock of my life. There was a convention on. Wolf was there with Inspector Kramer representing the cops. Cross, Halleck, and Sanford were there representing the crooks. When Kramer saw Gloria, he scowled first at her... And then at Wolf.
7: So it was a slick one after all, Wolf. You didn't have the girl. You had no intention of producing her.
3: Please, Mr. Kramer, I can wait. Another matter matters more important. I dine at eight. That leaves me one hour to solve your murders. Murders?
7: More than one? Yes, two. Elmer Rodman. I have
3: not good one if you... Please, Mr. Kramer, not now. First, Miss Kent. Good evening, Miss Kent. I presume you have met these gentlemen Cross Halleck and Sanford. I... Yeah, I'll take your purse, please.
8: Huh? Well, why? I...
3: No, don't think me as naive as Mr. Goodwin, miss. When you left your home after the murder of your father, you took the map and letters with you. They are in your purse oh, now. That's not true. Archie, the purse. Thank you. We have here an interesting situation. There exists some old letters and map, forged and fraudulent, you are worth $10,000 and more to Cross in Halleck and worth two murders to a killer. Why? There must be something of great value in the letters. Yes, such as? Something which Mr. Sanford could not see, although he worked on the document closely. Yet something which could be made manifest. What is the answer, Miss Kent? You know it? I swear I don't. Secret writing, Archie. Bring the chafing dish from the dining room. Right. Secret writing?
7: I saw nothing when I worked on those letters.
3: Naturally, Mr. Sanford, the writing is invisible. That heat is an agent makes most forms of secret writing visible. The chafing dish, boss. Thank you, Archie. Place it before me and light it. Right. Now I open Miss Kent's purse. From it, you see, I withdraw these ancient letters which he took from her house after her father's murder.
8: That's not true.
3: Archie. That's enough, Gloria. That's enough. From now on, you just listen. We remove the letters from the envelope and toast them gently. Secret ink vintage 1851 will easily succumb to the agency of heat. Careful. Those envelopes will catch fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, 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 they're caught. Don't be upset, Mr. Cross, Mr. Halleck. The envelopes! Uh, They'll burn safely in the dish. We can concentrate on the writing. Watch closely. I don't want to be accused of trickery. You
7: fat fool. The envelopes are everything. Put them out, Sanford.
4: Don't sit there. Put them out. Why, Mr. Halleck? Well, the stamps, the missionaries, they're worth a fortune.
3: The missionaries? Of course. You know that. Mr. Cross knows. So does Mr. Sanford, right? Yeah, yeah. Cross Sanford knows, you old fool. Let me... Uh, Mr. Sanford is not alarmed. Why not, sir?
7: I don't know what you're talking about.
3: Fifty or a hundred thousand dollars is burning before your eyes, Mr. Oh. Sanford. Cross and Halleck are burning their fingers, putting out the flaming envelopes. And you sit there quite indifferently. Why? Well, I'm... I'm... You know the value of the missionary stamps on the letters you bought from Rodman. But you know these aren't the real letters. Isn't that it? Not the real letters? I told you I'm tough to crack, Wolf. You didn't fool me with those dummies. Dummies? How do you know? Mr. Cross didn't know. Mr. Haddock didn't know. How did you? Well, I, I... I'll tell you, sir. Only one man could know I was framing Miss Kent as a decoy... Only one man could know I prepared these dummy letters and pretended to take them from her purse, and that is the killer, the man who murdered her father and stole the map and letters this morning. You sir, Mr. Sanford. Well, I'll be... Mr. Kramer, there's your killer. You'll find the missing map and letters on him or concealed in his home or office. You won't need the evidence anyway. Look at his face. He's self-confessed. Self-confessed like fun? He was booby-trapped. No, Mr. Crane. Not a complicated case, really. Very simple. Elmer Rodman sold a packet of old family letters to the swindlers for a small sum. They used the letters to perpetrate their fraud on Miss Kent's father.
5: And the stamps on the letters were valuable?
3: They were a special Hawaiian issue 1851, Miss Kent. Nicknamed missionaries, because missionaries use them for writing home. They are extremely rare stamps worth upward of $25,000 each.
7: Hey, no wonder they were worth two murders. We found five of them on Sanford.
3: Excellent. Somewhere or other, Rodman discovered the value of the stamps after he sold the letters. In his effort to get them back, he communicated his discovery to the swindlers, Cross, Halleck, and Sanford. So that's why they refunded the money so fast. Precisely, in an effort to have the sale rescinded. Rodman sought out Kent and tried to convince him of
7: the fraud. Alas, he would not listen to the truth,
3: Mr. Kramer.
7: Oh, I get it. And while the others were hassling around, Sanford tried to steal a march and quietly resorted to murder.
2: Ah, there you have it. Ha-ha! Great job, boss, great job. So Gloria not only gets her ten grand back, but uh, five times twenty-five, which is about a 125,000 worth of goodies... Now, figuring your rates by the hour, that means you've
3: done a gratis job worth about... Yes, um... Ken. I did not know will I demand a large fee for what I've done. I will not go back on my word. But I can beg for a favor.
5: I'll only be too happy to...
3: Wait, wait, wait. I asked something that would not be easy to grant. What is it? Will you use your red hair, your pretty face, your admirable figure, and your ample fortune to lure Mr. Goodwin away from this house tonight... I would like to enjoy my dinner in peace.
5: That won't be difficult, Mr. Wolf.
2: <laughs> Let's have an understanding right now, Gloria. Difficult for you or for me?
5: I'll be delighted.
3: <laughs> Indeed. To spend an evening with Mr. Goodwin, there is only one word for you, Miss Kent. Intrepid.
4: I've been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolfe, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight's story by Alfred Bester was based on the famous characters
0: created by Rex Stout, produced by Edwin Fadiman, and directed by J. Donald Wilson. In the cast were Wally Mayer as Archie Goodwin, and Gene Bates, Howard McNair, Jay Novello, Larry Dobkin, Bill Johnstone, and Herb Vigran. Music by Joseph Enos,
4: Next week at this same time, Nero Wolf and Archie will bring you The
0: Case of the Careworn Cup.
1: Stay tuned for Phil Harris and Alice Fay next on Theatre of the Mind. You're listening to Theatre of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And now, Phil Harris and Alice Fay in The Flying Saucer. Good help, you all, from Rexall.
4: From Palm Springs, California, it's the Bill Harris, Alice Faye Show. Presented by the makers of Rexall drug products and 10,000 independent Rexall family druggists. Good health to you all from Rexall. Now, your ex-all-family druggist brings you the Bill Harris-Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, and Whitfield. Walter Sharp and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Bill Harris. Today is the Harris family's last day in Palm Springs. They want to take advantage of it, so has insisted that they get up at 5 a.m. As we look in, they're returning to the hotel after a two-hour horseback ride.
6: Gee, Mommy, we've had a wonderful morning. So far, we've played tennis and gone swimming and bicycle riding. What's the next thing planned for us?
5: Well, I don't know. Let's go back to the room, wake Daddy up, and ask him.
6: <laughs> Phyllis, why doesn't Daddy ever get
5: up in the morning? Oh, he can't on account of
6: his health. He said he has peculiar pigmentation of the skin. And the gamma rays of the morning sun affect his epidermis.
0: <laughs>
6: what does that mean? It's French for beat to get lost and let me sleep. Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> mommy, why doesn't Daddy ever get
5: up in the morning? Oh, for a very good reason, children. He says he's like a delicate flower, and the morning sun wilts him.
6: I the sun was good for flowers.
5: Oh, not your father. He claims he's a jasmine and only blooms at night.
6: <laughs> I wonder
5: if he's awake yet. Isn't
6: that Daddy sitting over there by the pool with Uncle Willie?
5: So it is. Look, girls, you go in and get dressed and I'll be there in a few minutes. I want to talk to Daddy. Hmm. I wonder what they're watching so intently. Uh-oh. It's that girl on the diving board in the French bathing suit. I'll sneak up behind them and see just how interested they are. Philip, isn't she a honey? Get that red hair, that beautiful face, and that
6: was figure.
0: <laughs>
6: <laughs>
4: yes, William. But what about her character? <laughs> Can she carry on an intelligent conversation? Can she cook? and sew, and keep house.
6: Who cares with a figure like that?
4: (laughs) Wait a minute. Are we reading each other's lines?
6: (laughs) You're right about that girl, Philip. We men shouldn't be taken in by what appears on the surface. She looks nice from here, but what about her background?
4: Well, wait till she turns around, we'll find out. (laughs) You know, Willie... Those two piece bathing suits are really fascinating. So alluring.
5: Phil! And that's
4: why they disgust me.
5: <laughs> I'll bet you just can't stand the sight of it.
4: Honey, you're so right. I've been sitting here mortified.
5: How long have you been sitting here? Oh, I've been mortified about three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I think that girl looks disgraceful posing there with her bare midriff. Every man in the place is looking. Yeah. What a spot for a Burma shave ass. Well, come on, fellas, let's go in for breakfast. Oh, by the way, where's Frankie?
6: Yeah, last time I saw him, a man was selling him a uranium mine for $50. (laughs) Now,
5: that sounds like something
6: stupid enough for
5: Frankie to fall for. Wait a minute,
4: wait a minute. Remley ain't stupid. He's got more sense than to fall for anything. Hiya, Curly. Ah, hiya, Franklin. I'm glad you showed up. I hear you bought a uranium mine for $50. Ah, Curly, you don't think I fell for that, do you? I'm not gullible. I have too much sense. Besides, I was busy doing something much more important. What are you doing? Watching the flying saucers. I told you. (laughs)
8: Lean
4: over here and breathe out, Clyde. (laughs) You were watching what? Flying saucers. Don't tell me you're one of the few remaining people who hasn't seen one. (laughs) Remley, how many fingers have I got up? Look closely. Now, you were seeing things again. I am not. I can prove it. I saw a whole squadron of them. In fact, I turned to the guy I was spending the afternoon with and said, Did you see what I saw? And what did the bartender reply? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I wasn't with no bartender.
5: Frankie, a lot of people think they've seen flying saucers, but I don't believe it.
4: I wouldn't believe it either if I hadn't seen those two guys from Mars who were driving it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got to take the strings off his guitar. His music's driving him
8: nuts.
4: (laughs) Remley, let me get this straight. You saw a flying saucer with two men in it, and right away you knew that they were men from Mars. Oh, no, no, not right away. Came out in the course of the conversation. <laughs> you talk to the men from Mars? Well, naturally. I'm no snob. <laughs> I'll talk to anybody who's nice All right. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Do you expect anybody to believe that wild story?
4: Newspapers believed it. I called them last night and gave them the whole story. It's in every newspaper throughout the country oh, today. Oh, no, no, Remley. How can you pull a hoax like that? When that article appears with your name in it, you'll be the laughing stock of the nation. Everybody's going to laugh at you. Nobody's going to laugh at me. What makes you so sure? When I called the papers, I gave them your name. <laughs> oh, Frankie, why did you have to give my name? You can use the publicity. Look at these headlines. Alice Faye's husband sees flying saucers and talks to men from Mars. Alice Faye's husband? Yeah, I got you a little publicity, too. <laughs> No, you should have seen that sight. I was driving along the desert and I saw those flying saucers come shooting from out of nowhere. Driven by men from Mars? No. No. That part I made up to make the other part sound believable. <laughs> No, Curly, this is a sight I'll never forget. Those large cylindrical objects flashing through the sky at a terrific speed. And suddenly one plummeted to earth and landed in a burst on the desert. The door opened, and those little men started swarming over the Hold it, Arson. (laughs) You saw this saucer land in the desert. Yeah, and I can prove it. I would have gone out to examine it yesterday, but it was getting dark. I'm going out now. If you'll come with me, I'll show you where it is. I ain't going. You better. I told the newspaper men to be here at two o'clock to get all the facts. You should be able to describe your flying saucer. Oh, Remley, the things you get me into, I don't... Oh, all right, I'll go. But you better produce a flying saucer. Yeah, I will.
5: Alice, you want to come with us? No, no. I don't want him to think I'm a kibitzer. Who? The two men from Mars. I'll only be in the way when you four start playing Canasta.
4: All right. Now, don't be facetious, Alice, or I shall not permit you to sing Wilhelmina from that new picture. What new picture? The one you're in, Wabash Avenue. You try to stop her, and I'll break your arm. <laughs> sing, lover. <laughs>
5: Wilhelmina, she's the cutest little girl in Copenhagen. Wilhelmina, she has all the fellas crazy in the noggin in Copenhagen, and the roses on her cheeks, and the music when she speaks, and how sweet her kisses taste. Sugar ganache like her mama's Danish pastry Wilhelmina Maybe soon she will elope in Copenhagen In Copenhagen Wilhelmina She'll share everything including his toboggan In Copenhagen All the other girls say know But Wilhelmina She says nice All the boys call Wilhelmina Willie But he calls Wilhelmina mine
6: She's the cutest little girl in Copenhagen. Wilhelmina, she has all the
5: fellas crazy in the noggin. in Copenhagen. And the roses on her cheeks. And the music when And how sweet her kisses taste. Danish like her mama's Danish pastry. Wilhelmina, Wilhelmina Maybe soon she'll elope in Copenhagen Wilhelmina, Wilhelmina He's everything including his toboggan In yeah. Copenhagen All the other girls say nine But Wilhelmina, she says ten
6: All the boys call
8: Wilhelmina Willie yes. But he calls
6: Wilhelmina Wilhelmina
5: Oh, why did I ever let you fellas talk me into looking for a flying saucer? It doesn't exist. We've been tramping over this desert for five hours now, and I'm hot and tired and thirsty. So am I. I'd give
4: anything for a drink. How about you, Curly? Water. <laughs> Water is no time to wash. <laughs> I want water to drink. To drink? You're in worse shape than I am. I'm just thirsty. You're delirious. Oh, Remley, you and your flying saucers, getting it in the paper that I saw. If I don't produce one, they're going to laugh me up. out of town. I tell you, I saw one crash out here in the desert. It's around here someplace. Curly, look over there. That pile of twisted metal, it's my flying saucer. Friendly, you're right. You see, Alice, you thought he was having hallucinations.
8: <laughs> Come
4: on, Curly. Help me dig this wreck out of the sand. Yeah, I'll help you. Maybe we can find some clue of where it's from, huh?
5: Say, fellas. Fellas, I found a disc here. There's a lot of mud on it, but there, there seems to be something written underneath the mud. Well,
4: scrape it off, honey. Scrape it off. Maybe it'll tell what planet it's from. Hurry up, Alice. Is it from Jupiter or Saturn?
5: No. No, it starts with an M. M? It's either Mars or Mercury.
4: Quick, Alice, what does it say?
5: Maxwell! Uh, An old hubcap!
4: Maxwell. An old hubcap. So this is where Jackson buried his car. Well, the insurance company finds out about this. They ain't going to like it. Why? Jackson told them Rommel captured it in Africa. (laughs) Frankie, this ain't a flying saucer. It's just an old automobile wreck. Who has to know that? Let's take it into town. They'll never know the difference. After all, it fooled you and me. Yeah. But how many people are you going to find as stupid as us? (laughs) True. But look, Curly, you're in a spot with the newspapermen. you got to take it back to town and try to palm it off as a flying All ghost. right, all right. We'll try to palm it off. We'll take it back. Oh, Frankie, why do you do these things to me? If you're trying to short my life. Why do you do it the hard way? Why don't you just stab me in the back, poison my beer? Tell Petrillo I'm working under scale.
5: Oh, you fellas get the craziest schemes. What goes on in your heads? Never mind. We got what it takes up here. Yes. Between the two of you, you have a lovely bunch of coconuts. I ain't gonna sing that song. I ain't either. Well, as long as
4: nobody's gonna sing it, let's pick up these parts and get back to town. Yeah. Well, we got the pieces all spread out on the ground. This stuff looks like it came from Mars, all right. Yeah. Does that, huh? Yeah. Oh, man, if we can put this one over, we'll be the first ones to produce a flying saucer. Yeah. Providing Alice doesn't give us away. By the way, where is she? Yeah, she said something about going to find a psychiatrist. <laughs> What's wrong with her? <laughs> Well, um, she's been having headaches lately I noticed she has been acting kind of strange Yeah Well, be that as it may <laughs> Come on, let's look over this once more before the newspaper men get here That's not necessary This is perfect Now, well, wait a minute, Rumley. I don't know This looks too much like an automobile wreck They're not going to be fooled by this <laughs> Of course, maybe not just by this But they'll have to believe you when you produce the clincher. What clincher? The man from Mars. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Well, here we go again. Look, Frankie, we don't have a man from Mars. Yes, I know that. But all we have to do is find one and leave that to me. Oh, you know a guy, huh? Of course not. I don't know anybody from Mars. How about that girl you were out with last night? (laughs) She ain't from here. (laughs) Don't be a wise guy. Now, I can find somebody. All we need is some short, weird-looking character with an oversized head.
6: Hiya, fellas, here I am.
4: (laughs) Frankie, someday this kid ain't gonna come in on cue... And then where will we be? He never fails. He likes the part, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's small enough and certainly weird-looking enough. But um, his head ain't big enough. No, it isn't. Well, I'll take care of that. Hold oh, still, Julius. Open your mouth.
6: <laughs> well, what are
4: you afraid of, Julius? All we want to do is to pump your head up a little.
6: Any special signs? <laughs> or
1: shall
6: we let it go till it boists? <laughs>
7: well, wait a
4: minute. Remley, hmm? how big do we have to make his head? I think 30 pounds ought to do it. <laughs> no, we better make it 24. He's got a low-pressure skull. <laughs>
6: Leak in me head.
4: What makes you think so? I gotta have to
6: keep coming around here all the time. <laughs> Fellas, I don't want you to think I'm a point killer, but I ain't gonna let nobody blow my head up.
4: Julius, now look, I know it may sound ridiculous, but we have a perfectly logical reason for wanting to do it.
6: What's your
4: reason? We need a man from Mars. <laughs> What's the matter?
6: I almost choked on that one. How <laughs> fatty can two grown men get?
4: <laughs> Julius, this may appear a little far-fetched, but Mr. Harris is in a spot and we've got to help him. There was an article in this morning's paper saying that he saw a flying saucer and a man from Mars. That's right. Now, do you see why I need your help?
6: Yeah. You tied one on and you want me to loosen the knot. (laughs) (laughs) Look,
4: kid, if you'll do this thing for us, we'll give you 20 bucks. Oh, it's
6: a deal.
4: Hey, now, Remley, you better wait a minute because we ain't never going to get away with this. Nobody's going to believe that he's from another world. They might when I get finished with him. (laughs) I'll take him up to the room, put some weird clothes on him, a lot of grotesque makeup. I'll make him look like a lovely bunch of coconuts. I still ain't gonna sing that song. (laughs) You want another lead in? No, thanks. I'll creep into this one myself. Jackson was a poor old dub who joined the Dark town Poker Club and cursed the day, told him he was John. That money used to go like it had wings, If he held queened, someone had kings, and each night he would contribute all that coin. He said, I'm going to play him tight tonight, there'd be no bobtail blush make me bite. He said, when I get the nest in my hands, I'll be a Pete. Played him tight and lost his pile, and Bill got peevish after a while, so he rose, looked all around, and made this big. I said, y'all see this brand new razor? I had it sharpened just today. Now, I'm coming in with my rules, that I want you to follow when you play, boy. Keep your hands up on the table while you're dealing, please. Don't be slipping them aces down there in between your knees. Don't be making them funny signs like you're trying to tip off your hand just talking American, boy, so I can understand. And don't be getting them off the bottom because, ooh, that's rough. Take five, five, then stop. That's enough. Now, when you bet, put up the chips. I don't like it when you shy. Then when you get busted, go get something. I'm going to be here by and by. Pass them cards and let me shuffle every time before you deal. Anything goes wrong, I want to see. I mean, you ain't going to play this game now, uh, according to Mr. Hoyley. you going to play this game according to me. Hey. Sitting right there in that there clan, they chanced to be a one-eyed man, The Bill kept on watching him out of the corner of his eye. Old one-eye would deal, and then would cost that Bill another five or ten. Bill got up again and looked all around him with a sigh. He said, Lord, it's an awful shame. He said, Someone's cheating this year game. He said, Go, sir. It ain't no do for me to name the guy. So I refrain from mentioning the party's name. If I catch him cheating just once again, I'm going to take this fist and close that other eye. Now, do you see this brand new razor? I had it sharpened just today. I'm walking in with my rules that you must follow when you play egghead. Keep your bony hands up there while you're giving them out, please. Don't be slipping them wildies down in there between your knees. And don't be making them funny signs, you're still trying to tip off your hand. You better talk an American boy, big a a a so as I can understand. And stop getting them off the bottom, I keep trying to tell you it's rough. This is the Army game, 5-5, five, five, halt, that's enough. Now when you bet, put up the reds and blues, I don't like it when you're shy. Then if you run out of gas, go get pumped up, I'll be here by and by. Pass them pasteboards, let me ripple every time before you deal. Let me irrigate around with them, I want to see. But you ain't going to play the game now, according to that Mr. Harley you going to play this game according to me. Now, Henry, if you'll break the seal on that new deck of bicycles, we'll go on from there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, Curly got Julius all dressed and made up. Here he is. Oh, no.
6: How do I look?
4: Like a street in Tijuana after a heavy rain.
8: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Remley, what's that horrible looking outfit he's wearing? Even a man from Mars wouldn't wear or couldn't wear a messy thing like that. Where'd you get that? It's one of your sport jackets yeah. cut down. <laughs> Now, look, Julius, remember you're from Mars, so you can't talk a word of English. When the newspaper men get here, just talk gibberish.
6: Is what the southern or the provincial gibberish?
4: <laughs> 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 look, look, Frankie, we better give it up. This kid ain't going to fool anybody, and besides... Oh, there got...
0: you are, Mr.
4: Harris. Uh-oh, that's one of the newspaper newspapermen. I'll have to go through with this. Don't forget, kid, Gibberish. Well, Mr. Harris, you made the headlines all over the country with your story about the flying saucer and the man from Mars. Yes, I know. Now, I... personally, I don't believe it. We all know there's no such thing as. Well, I'll be darned! You have a man from Mars. He's the most frightening-looking creature I've ever seen. That's in... Frankie Ramley. <laughs> The man from Mars is the short, frightening creature over there.
8: <laughs>
4: Thanks loads.
8: <laughs> so
4: this is what they look like. I, I see it, but I don't believe it. Do you mind if I interview him? Uh, well, mister, um, um, uh, well, you see, uh, he uh, he doesn't talk English. Uh, but I've been with him constantly since I found him. And I picked up a little of his native tongue. And I'll gladly interview him for you, uh... What do you want to know? Uh, ask him where he's from. Okay. <clears throat> Mugwump.
8: <laughs>
4: Oogle the Eagle Hooger. <laughs> Willy Waddle with a Woody Wally. <laughs> We don't always understand each other. <laughs> Mubwump, the man wants to know where your home is. Holler Maga, ulalama, where's the place to use a frama?
6: Siga Maga, Suga, I's a from Albuquerque. What did he
4: say? Oh, uh, you see, I taught him a few simple words in English, and... Uh, He's trying to be funny. Okay. There's one thing I can't stand. It's a wise guy from Mars. All right. <laughs> now, mister, is there uh, anything else you'd like me to ask him? I have just one more question. How did he get here from Mars? What route did he take? Oh, the route. That's a good point. I'll ask him. Mugwamp. Sigamaga Alahuda Fluzie. Rubin.
6: Aha! How about you love Mars? Kansas City! <Uh-oh. laughs>
4: You see, he was on a goodwill tour. Mugwump <laughs> <laughs> Chamber of Commerce. All right, fellas, you can break it up now. When will I expose this whole thing as a hoax? The townspeople aren't going to like it. The whole thing ain't a hoax. I did see a lot of flying saucers yesterday. Two miles due north of town. Two miles due north? Yeah. I got news for you, Blowtop.
8: <laughs> <laughs>
4: they have a skeet shoot out there. Those were clay discs you saw. <laughs> Played this. Curly, how could you make such a stupid mistake?
0: Tell him the (laughs) newspaper
4: you saw flying. Limley, I'll swear I'll kill you. (laughs) (laughs) A million times I'll kill you.
1: Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week when I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theatre of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.